Hi everyone, I'm Julian Lincoln, Head of TMTN Digital here at Herbert Smith Freehills, and I'm joined today by Susanna Wilkinson, our Digital Law Lead. Today, we're going to talk about non-fungible tokens in the consumer sector. Now, there's so much we could say on this topic, but we're just going to focus in on three questions. One, what is an NFT? Two, why are NFTs interesting and important to the consumer sector? And three, what are some of the key legal issues that consumer sector companies specifically should look out for if they're issuing NFTs? So first, Susanna, what is an NFT? Thanks, Julian. Um, good question. So NFT stands for non-fungible token. Uh, non-fungible just means it's uniquely identifiable and it's it's indivisible. And that in the context of crypto assets is distinguished from something like a cryptocurrency that is um, exchangeable one for one. So a Bitcoin, if I have a Bitcoin, we could exchange them. Um, but similarly, you can also uh, divide a Bitcoin so you can have 0.0001. So non-fungible just means uniquely identifiable and indivisible. And then let's have a look at the token component of that. And a token, we're used to tokens in the real world. We've been using them for a long time. It just means a representation of something. Now, NFTs exploded onto the sort of the scene um, when they were a representation of something in digital form. But increasingly, we're seeing um, NFTs being linked to real world assets. And that's a really interesting use case in the consumer sector. There's one other component to, to NFTs that's really important to understand. And I won't go into too much detail, but NFTs effectively are built on blockchain technology. They rely on um, blockchain. And the most popular or the most common type of NFT at the moment is um, an Ethereum blockchain-based standard. Um, and so blockchain just really quickly does three key things. Blockchain allows us to store value in digital form. And we couldn't really do that before the mainstream use of blockchain. So that's a key thing. Just trust me on that one. So clever maths and some cryptography, and we can store uh, value in digital form. And it does that through recording all the various transactions in respect of these tokens. So if I sell a token to you, Julian, then that transaction would be recorded on the public blockchain for anyone to interrogate and anyone to see. And it's permanently recorded there, which leads me to the third thing that blockchains do. Um, and that allows for this sort of trust by design or what you have heard of as a trustless environment. So we can trade peer-to-peer -peer without an intermediary. So those three things together have really driven the adoption of um, NFTs. And in particular, on the Ethereum platform, it was the ERC721 standard, which basically is a packet of data that interacts with smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and that's what's created this great sort of interoperability and standardization so that developers producing these packets of data can sort of with certainty predict how they'll behave. So just quickly to summarise, it is a representation. It's a packet of data that represents something that is uniquely identifiable um, and that's a whole. It can't be divided up. Well, it's pretty complicated stuff, isn't it, Susanna? And, and I guess, though, for, for those out there who are thinking they want to issue NFTs, you don't necessarily have to bottom all that technology out yourself. There are platforms and tools, yes. right, Susanna, that, that you can get to um, to help you issue them. Um, Absolutely right. So, so, so I guess then, you know, with all that complexity, there's, there's certainly it hasn't put everyone off. So we've certainly seen, and Susanna, you and I and our team, we've 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 actually done quite a few NFTs, uh, issued a few, helped clients issue a few NFTs, and we've seen huge interest, um, just in our own client base, but across the sector and things, um, you know, everyday goods, luxury goods, beverages, sporting equipment, jewellery, and art. So there's, there's an enormous amount of activity in the consumer sector. 
And so we've been thinking about, well, why, why is this? Why is there such interest in the consumer sector, really, in, in many ways, more than other sectors in NFTs? Well, we think there's a few reasons. Firstly, uh, it is a new, different, uh, versatile, and potentially very uh, personalised, hyper-personalised even, way of engaging with your consumers by issuing NFTs. Um, undoubtedly, there's, there's an element of novelty and of hype in, in all of this stuff, and it's exciting and people want to be playing in that space. Uh, there's an element of exploring the medium for the future, and, and we can talk about the metaverse. Maybe that's a topic for another day, Susanna, but, but you know, getting this bit of a gateway into, into the metaverse. And, and I think quite importantly as well, it's, it's a good means for consumer companies to access new markets and access new consumers. And so a classic example, you might um, have certain consumers who, who are very happy to go into a fine wine store or antique you know, rare, rare and rare antiquities bookstore or a jewellery store, but there might otherwise be consumers who uh, are not really feeling comfortable or happy in that sort of environment, but might be really excited about buying a digital representation of the beverage, the drink, the book, etc. So, totally new consumers uh, for for your for your products and services. Um, and I think one of the really interesting things in this space for consumer sector companies is the ability to secure an ongoing revenue stream or royalty stream each time the NFT, the token, is traded on a platform. So you can attach terms to the token and the terms on the platform so that every time it trades out there in the ether, you can actually get a, a payment a payment back. And that's something that's not possible in, in the traditional realm. And of course, in certain, uh, certain segments, think of the art world, uh, that's really significant. We've obviously had challenges in the art industry, in the music industry, about making sure the creative and performance uh, authors you know, secure appropriate um, value for their work. And then I think, as, as we said, moving beyond, uh, we're seeing a moving beyond just simple token issue into more holistic, virtual experience is a bit of an entree into into the metaverse. I don't know, Susanna, maybe you can, um, before we touch on the legal issues, you can give us your thoughts on the metaverse more generally. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think the um, there is some eye-watering sums of money <laughs> trading hands or crypto trading hands um, in, in relation to some of these NFTs that are being used in the gaming environment. And, and as I said at the outset, you know, it really did become very popular in these digital assets, so that's digital art or digital representations, and the idea that you can then take these tokens between gaming mm -hmm. universes, so to speak, is a really interesting phenomenon. I think there is now beer in the metaverse, so um, mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure how that works, but from a brand positioning uh, perspective, it's a really interesting one if you want to be represented um, in this virtual virtual worlds. Um, and I think just touching on, on something else that you said there, Julian, mm -hmm. it's interesting the way that um, the art, the, the trading commissions in the art space, you know, that direct peer-to-peer -peer trading where the smart contract code or, or the, the packet of data is pre-programmed to pay those trading commissions has broad application across a range of things. And, and again, understanding that difference between the NFTs pointing to a digital artefact or pointing to something in the real world. And there's obviously a a whole lot that goes around the outside of that of how do you make sure that the digital file is where it should be mm -hmm. and how is the real world where it should be. But it's a lovely bridge um, between the physical and the digital world as well because you mm -hmm. can have that certainty of trading um, and a representation of something in both realms. I like that, Susanna. I think that digital bridge is a great way of looking at it, especially for consumer sector companies, which obviously traditionally have made physical products or services. So it's that bridge between 
the, the business today and the business of the future and who really knows when the metaverse is going to end up other than that every time you look at it there's new things there and it's yeah, that's right it's going I think pretty it quick also also taps into new markets you know when the value of cryptocurrencies is skyrocketing there's a yeah. whole lot of people who've got this disposable cash and then that's right we'll to see where that volatility lands but well, that's also a topic for another day. But look, Susanna, this is a Herbert Smith Freehills video, so we probably should. We, we could talk about the metaverse all day long and crypto, but we should probably talk about uh, some of the legal issues. So maybe, Susanna, in the time we've got left, um, there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a bundle of rights we talk about with an NFT, but maybe you can unpack that bundle a little bit from a, from a lawyer's perspective. Yeah, sure. So we'll just just race through really quickly. Again, going back to the foundational understanding what the technology is, what are you actually buying or what are you actually selling? Um, and this is really important. So the token itself is, is the code and it points to something. So as a buyer, you are buying what you buy depends a little bit on the terms and conditions of the platform or the website that you're interacting with to purchase that NFT. Um, and similarly, if you're issuing or minting um, an NFT in respect of something, you need to be very clear about what you're actually transferring in terms of the legal rights that attach to that NFT. I think it's also worth bearing in mind that the NFT itself, the code doesn't always contain the full terms and conditions and all of the legal requirements that attach to that. It would be way too expensive to run that code on a blockchain. So there will always be layers of analysis. And I think a good analogy is um, buying physical art. So when you buy a painting, are you what are you really buying? Are you buying the right to hang that painting in your living room and have exclusive access to view it unless you invite friends in? Or are you buying the right to, to reproduce that print and, and sell tea towels and T-shirts and, you know, the underlying copyright in the art? So there are always questions around that. And I think there have been some high-profile cases where people have either bought um, or, or, or bought something where they haven't bought what they thought they were buying is possibly the best way of saying it. So lots of interesting angles and it depends on your role in the ecosystem in terms of how you need to do that analysis. Um, and I think the other thing to be really aware of is that a lot of these platforms or marketplaces for NFTs do accept payment in both fiat and crypto. So you are moving into these regular sort of these uncertain regulatory environments um, and depending on the nature of the nft or what's being done with the nft you may start to stray into some financial service regulatory um, sort of issues so again really important to understand what is the bundle of rights and where is that bundle of rights moving in the wild um, and then a couple of other points the this is basically the sale of, of goods and in the consumer sector, normal consumer protections would apply. So we need to make sure that if we're marketing these NFTs, um, there's no misleading or deceptive conduct in the terms of what we're what we're actually looking to sell. And that can sometimes be difficult if people don't really understand what it is that they're selling. Um, and then the last point I think is worth mentioning is that we're seeing a lot of partnerships. So companies who want to sort of step into this ecosystem they often look to partner with third-party service providers who are a little bit more established or who can provide either the minting or the marketplace or the other types of KYC, AML, some of the other pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. So it's really important to understand the terms and conditions and those contractual arrangements, particularly if there's some sort of trailing commission um, arrangement between those, those um, parties in that, in that arrangement. No, that's a really good point, Susanna, because a lot of the focus is on how do I issue my token, which, which mm. is obviously really important. And you've touched on the 
the IP rights, which obviously in the consumer sector are, are, I think are pretty well known, but also those consumer protection rights and the financial services regulatory issues, which are perhaps not as common arising in the consumer sector. Mm. But then, you know, in terms of getting that token to market with the platform, with the partners, with the technology providers, really important to look at those contracts and make sure that that's not undermining what you're doing or worse, still ceding control of your valuable brand or valuable um, rights through, yeah. through, the, through, you know, through that platform. And I think we also need to just one final comment is that these things, you know, if, you, if you're putting a smart contract or putting the code onto the blockchain, as long as the blockchain is there, these mm. things will continue in perpetuity. So until that token is burnt or sort of terminated. Mm. So there is sort of a long term view that, that you need to take and a long term analysis as well to see what's happening to that token after it's uh, after it's left your control. Fantastic. Well, look, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for clients yes. uh, in the in the consumer sector in this in this space. But a lot of things to work through. So, I guess for anyone watching this video, if you're interested in learning more, Susanna and I, we'd love to we'd love to talk to you um, and help you on your NFT journey. Yeah. Thanks, Julian. Thanks, Susanna. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.